I want to uh, thank you, Pastor Mitch, and the church for supporting our ministry. And uh, we live in Northeast India, and, uh, and you can check out our website by going to uh, sofi.life, S-O-F-I, S-O-F-I.life, spiritoffaithinternational.life. And uh, I count myself honored and privileged to know your pastors personally and to be associated with this church. And this is a wonderful place. And if this is not your home church, I personally can recommend this church and would encourage you to become a part of it. Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. And on this first Sunday of the year, I want to share just a very simple message with you. It's not very complicated. Uh, I know that you get wonderful teaching in this church, and maybe today what I can do is, is just sort of encourage you a little bit and inspire you in this new year. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43 and verse 19, and as you're turning, I'm just going to pray. Father, I thank you for the power of your word. And I thank you for the life-giving Holy Spirit. We thank you for the anointing. We thank you for the grace that you give. And I pray today that every ear would be a listening ear. Every mind would be an uncluttered and undistracted mind. Every heart would be an open and absorbent spirit. I thank you today for taking us where we need to go as we launch forth into this new year in this first service of the new year. And we give you praise and we give you glory and honor and expectation of the mighty things that you will do even today, even here in your presence, O Lord. And so, Father, may he that speak, speak as the oracles of God, and may he that minister do so with the ability that you furnished, so that in all things Jesus Christ may be glorified. To him belong the dominion and the power forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Someone shout, Amen. Amen. Isaiah 43 verse 19 says this, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I want to tell you very simply this. Our God is a God of new beginnings. We enter his kingdom through the new birth. He has made us in Christ new creation, a new creation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, in the Passion Translation, it says, All that is related to the older order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. A Christian is not a man repaired or renovated, but reborn. The Living Bible says this, he becomes a brand new person on the inside. I was on a flight to Canada many years ago, and a woman, a rather talkative young woman, seemingly carefree, sat next to me and struck up a conversation with me. I really didn't want to talk to anybody. I want to just kind of mind my own business, but she seemed very friendly, and she saw me reading my Bible, and she wanted to ask me a few questions, and she said, what does it mean, an eye for an eye and and a tooth for a tooth? And, And I kind of hesitated, but I asked her, well, why do you ask? And she began to tell me her story. She said, when I was a teenage girl, my, my father, he, he tied me up. He tied my, my, my hands, my arms to the bedpost, and, and he raped me. 
multiple times. And, and, and she kept thinking, why are you doing this? Why, why are you doing this to me? And she said that, you know, uh, she got pregnant. She told her mother that it was through her boyfriend. She, she lied about it. And, and she, she left home at an early age. She, she jumped into an, uh, an ill-fated marriage. It, it, she went through two failed marriages. She, she began to drink, I believe, and, and do drugs. And, and, uh, and she says, and I can't, I can't maintain any kind of relationship, with any, long-term relationship with anybody. I don't trust anybody. And, 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 and she said, um, you know, he, he messed up my whole life. Actually, she didn't, she used an expletive, but that's what she meant. She messed up my whole life. And she said her father, later on in life, he, he slipped on an icy staircase, I think it was in Montreal, going to a subway and broke his neck and died. And she said, did God kill my father? I think she even said, I hope he did. <laughs> and, and I said, I, I don't know about that, but I, I do know there's a principle of sowing and reaping. But I want to ask you a question. Do you ever wish that if your life was a, a videotape, you could just rewind to the beginning? And erase it, start over. She, with tears in her eyes, she said, every day. I said, we can't go back and change the past. But God can reach into you and give you a new future. And he can change you and make life different. And as the plane was landing, you know, she bowed her head with me and I led her in what we sometimes call a prayer of salvation, asking Jesus to be the Lord of her life. It was interesting, the, the passengers around us were anxious to get off the plane, deboard, but they kind of, out of honor, they kind of waited until we were through praying. When she opened her eyes, she looked at me and she said, something happened to me. I feel different. I said, I know that's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. There are people all around us who are hurting, and, and there's a reason why they, they, they behave the way they do. You don't know their story but we know his story, and he can change your life. Amen? The, the easy-to-read version says this. This is 2 Corinthians 5.17. When anyone is in Christ, it is a whole new world. That seems kind of strange, but I like that translation. It is a whole new world. I was raised Presbyterian, God's frozen people. We went to church faithfully, you know, every Sunday, you know, and... and uh, but in our church, they never preached the new birth. They never preached salvation through faith in the blood. I'm, I'm sorry to say that. But in a, in a, in a, as a Sunday, school, in a Sunday school student in a Sunday school classroom, I had one teacher my whole, my whole life, in that teenage life, I had one, one teacher who shared with me the gospel. I bowed my head and asked Jesus to come into my heart. Very simple prayer. Not a theological prayer, but just a very simple believing prayer to be the Lord of my life. And I'll never, I'll never forget this. As I stand here today, I remember it vividly. I opened my eyes, and it was, a, it was springtime, sunny morning. I looked out the window, and I thought to myself, I was just a young boy. I thought to myself, I've never seen the sky so blue as it is today. I, I've never seen the grass so green as it is today. We went to the main service there, and I thought to myself, the people look so wonderful. They seem to be beaming like angels. I thought to myself, it seemed to me that while I was praying, God made a whole new world. But you know what? It was the same sky, the same grass, the same people that had always been there. God didn't make a whole new world. He made a whole new me. We don't see things the way they are. We see them the way we are. Are you listening to me? Thank you for enthusiasm. Please sit down. Hallelujah. God, God is a God of the new. Jesus is the mediator 
of a new covenant. And his blood, the Bible says, speaks a better word than the blood of Abel's, one calling out for vengeance, but his blood calling out for mercy. Amen. And the new things of God are always better. The new things of God are always better. In fact, it's a new and better covenant based on better promises. God doesn't want things to be merely different in your life. He wants your life to progress and improve. We don't want just a new year. We want a better year. Can I get an amen, please? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Jesus gave to us a new commandment to love as he loves in John 13, 34. Not an additional commandment, just one more, but a better one. One that replaces and supersedes all others. In fact, let me give you a Bible verse. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 6, the Bible says, we serve in the new way. Somebody say new way. The new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. With this new life, comes a new way of living. The law, my friends, the law identified sin but could not eradicate sin. The law showed us what is right but could not make us right. Hallelujah. If we preach the law, we give people a standard but not the ability to meet that standard, and the result is frustration or hypocrisy. In Nagaland, I once had a conversation. That's the state in India where we live. In Nagaland, I had a conversation with the, uh, the, the, the chief of police, uh, and he was a Hindu from a, another part of India. And he said to me, I think of all the world's religions, Christianity must be the hardest because you have to live like Christ. But see, the thing is, living for Christ without Christ isn't hard. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's he who has inscribed his laws. Come on, you're too quiet for me. It's he who has inscribed his laws onto our hearts. Are you listening to me? He changed our nature from the inside. We don't go back under the Old Testament law. Jesus said you can't pour new wine into old wineskins. So what we must do today in 2021 is let the new nature, the new nature on the inside of us dominate our outward behavior. Can you say amen? Ephesians 4.24 puts it this way, put on. Literally, be clothed with the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Did you come dressed for success today? Put on the new man. Let that which is on the inside of you dominate the way you live. Notice it says true righteousness and holiness. If there is a true holiness, there must be a fake holiness. So God's not interested in anything that's fake, right? Well, what is false holiness? It's following man-made religious rules. Some people think if you wear a suit and tie, that makes you holy. Come on, there's a lot of devils wear suit and ties. That don't make you holy. Right? Some people think if you wear a cross, that makes you holy. Come on, there's a lot of devils out there that wear crosses. That, that don't make you holy. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. What is true holiness? It's the love of God. It's the God kind of love. It's loving as Jesus loves, 
Some people say, oh, I love. You know, I love spaghetti. I love fast cars. I love photography. I love, no, he's talking about people. No, I hate people. No, that's not the God kind of love. <laughs> Amen. But the good news is Romans 5, 5 says he has poured his love into our hearts. And now all he's asking you to do is now pour it out. He furnishes, he supplies what we needed. Praise the Lord. Lamentations is probably one of the most, uh, uh, I don't know, discouraging books in the whole Bible in many ways. And yet here is this jewel, this gem in Lamentations 3, verse 22 and 23. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And that would mean this morning too, my friend. The Hebrew word for new in this verse also means fresh. Fresh. That means every day can be a new beginning. Every day can be a fresh start for you. In John chapter 1, verse 16, we read, From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Literally in the Greek language, grace in the place of grace. As if one grace supersedes another. A fresh supply of grace. That means We don't come to Jesus, my friend, just one time for salvation. Tick that box and move on. We come to him every day. We need his help every day. We need his strength every day. This is not something we do apart from him. This is something we do with him. It's his life flowing through us. Can I get an amen, please? Hallelujah. I need him every hour. In Revelation 21, verse 5, the Lord said, Behold, I'm making all things new. He's a God of the new. And in the end, he will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. We will be raised up even as he was raised. God's going to give you a new body. Now, there's some good news. And it'll be a perfect body. No more wrinkles. No more gray hair. No more bad breath, Jeppy. Hallelujah. Rejoice. <laughs> no more sin. No more aging. All the, see, you see people spending a lot of time and a lot of effort trying to make their body better. And, hey, I'm with you on that one. But you know what you really want? A glorified body. Glorified body. And not only that, in the end, there will be a new heaven and a new earth in which rightness, righteousness dwells. That's what the Bible tells us. Amen. And now we've come to the beginning of a new year. And as has been said earlier, I, for one, am exceedingly glad. But you know what? I would like to encourage you, we need to remember the good things that God has done for us in 2020. It's easy to recount all the hardships you may have experienced, and and I understand that. It's easy to to recite all of the uh, challenges that you face, the the tragic loss that you may have encountered, and and I totally get you. But let's not forget the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Did he preserve you? Are you alive today? Did he sustain you? Has he kept you to this moment? It, it may have been a rough ride, and I get that, but you made it this far. Can, did, he, did he provide for you? He said he's provided for this church. He's provided for me. I believe he's provided for you, and he'll do it again. Can I get a little response from the people here this morning? Praise the Lord. So that means... That means, if nothing else, 
we should be grateful. The Bible says every good and perfect gift is from above. If anything good happened to you in 2020, it was from God. It may have been a man that that stepped in to help you or some person that, that gave you something, but it was the Lord who inspired that person, who directed that person. So when we praise him this morning, we're not being generous, we're being honest. He is here working in our midst. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But now it's time for us to move forward. You know, uh, God created our bodies, and uh, he designed them in a specific way. Notice almost everything in your body is facing forward. Where are your eyes? On the back of your head so you can look where you've been? No, forward, because God wants you to see where you're going. Where are your ears? Shaped this way so you can hear all the whispers behind your back? No, you don't need to hear that. It's shaped forward so you can hear what God's saying to you, what's, what's in front of you. You can reach back with your arms, but it's really more natural to reach forward because God wants you to reach forward and take hold of the good things he has for you. What about your feet? They're not backwards. You don't walk like Charlie Chaplin. you forwards because God wants you to move forward. Almost every part of your body faces forward. Well, there's one part facing the back. Some things you got to leave behind, of course, but, <laughs> but God is trying to tell you something. You need to forget the things which are behind you and press on to the good things that God has before you. Can I get an amen? Praise the Lord. And so in the time I have left, in the time that I have left, I just want to, this is just a simple, it's not even a sermon, it's a, it's a disorganized collection of thoughts, I suppose, but I want to just remind you of just a couple of quick things before I go that might help you to navigate through this new year. Let me just give you maybe two quick verses. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Romans eight thirty-one. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, Who can be against us? Well, the fact is this, the whole world can be against you. (laughs) But what he means is, who can successfully stand against you? Who can prevail against you? In Isaiah 54, verse 17, in the New New King James Version, it says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Well, weapons will be formed against you, but they will not perform against you. Amen? Hallelujah. The Message Bible says this, with God on our side, how can we lose? Hallelujah. Come on, that's good news. That's enough to make a Presbyterian dance. Hallelujah. With God on our side, how can we possibly lose? God is the great equalizer. Others may have more money, they may have more talent, they may have more education, they may have more social context, but you have God. You have God. That changes everything. And he always tips the scales in your favor. Hallelujah. Some people say, but if God is for me, if God is for me, why is everything going so badly in my life? Well, one thing, notice this. Romans 8.31 begins... What then shall we say? What then shall we say? God wants you to say something. He said, God wants you to say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Huh? That means we need, we need to find our voice. But many Christians, that's not what they're saying. They're not saying, if God is for me. They're saying, where are you, God? 
Why is everything going wrong, God? When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask you about that. Why? 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 See, that's not a question. That's an accusation. That's an accusation. Friend, it is, it is no small thing to accuse God of wrongdoing. And that's a dead-end street. You cannot receive help from God by constantly disagreeing with God. Let me, let me, just, let me, just, let me just help you out a little bit. If you and God disagree on something, one of you is right and one of you is wrong. Would you like to take a wild guess which one of you is wrong? Take a stab at it. If there's a failure, if there's a fault, it's down here with us. It doesn't mean we're terrible people, but there's something we don't see. See? Every, every lack of provision has its root in a lack of revelation. There's something you don't see. So a better thing to say is, Lord, show me. Like we sang this morning, Lord, show me. Give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God's not against you. I said, God's not against you. He's for you. That is good news. That's good news. So brighten up. Cheer up, my friend. The God of heaven knows your name. The God who created the universe with his words, he's on your side. What have you to fear, my friend? Hallelujah. Let me read the next verse real quickly. I'm almost done here. Romans 8.32 says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You know, I, I, I don't really know most of you. Some of you I sort of know by face. Of course, some of you I know. I, that woman over there I know real well. I married her. But... Um, I don't, I don't know you very well, but I think I can say this in honesty, that I love you in the Lord. But frankly speaking, I could never give my son up to die for any of you. Much less to watch him tormented, brutally executed, to see him humiliated and publicly shamed to go through the tortures and torment of hell. I, I, I couldn't do that for anybody here. But that's exactly what God did for you. Please don't tell me that God doesn't love you. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that out of your mouth again. He loves you and nobody will ever love you like the Lord. And if he had to, if he had to, he'd do it again. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. If he gave us the best he had to give, why would he withhold the lesser gifts? You see, if God, if God is saying, well, I'm not willing to heal you, then that would mean that he values healing more than Jesus because he already gave us Jesus. If God says, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not interested in paying your rent, I'm not interested in, in, in paying your bills, then that would mean he loves money more than he loves his son. He would be, that would be an insult to Jesus. If he gave us his son, why would he withhold anything from us? Notice again, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Notice the word graciously or freely. 
grant it as a favor. One thing that will help you, it's helped me a lot, God doesn't owe you anything. Never, my friend, never have the attitude that, God, you owe me. I've been in this church for so many years, and, and I went to Bible school, and I've served, you know, in this capacity, and I sing in the choir, and, and God, you owe me. No, my friend, you're, you're, you're going down a dead-end road. That, that's not the road to his provision. He don't owe you anything. When God gives you what he owes you, that's not called grace. That's called judgment. No, thanks. I'm not interested in that. <laughs> I don't want what's coming to me. I want grace. How about you? Am I alone here? Anybody here with me on that one? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. It's his undeserved kindness. And notice this. I'm almost done. I can see that worried look on your face. I'm almost done. It says also, how will he also not give us with him graciously all things? With him. These blessings come with him. I would, uh, I'll close with this uh, story. Maybe you've heard this before, read it online or something like that. If you have, just pretend like you're hearing it for the first time, and that'll be fine. But um, there was an art collector, and his son died in battle. Sometime later, an old army buddy came to meet the man, and he presented a, a portrait that he had made of the late son. And, and the art collector, he cherished that painting. Sometime later, the art collector himself died, and it was announced in all the papers that his fine collection would be auctioned off. Investors and art dealers gathered with great excitement and anticipation of getting their hands on these masterpieces. When the auction began, the auctioneer announced, the first painting to be auctioned is the portrait of the late collector's son. What do I hear? Silence. No one bid. Several of them grumbled. We didn't come here for that. That's just a, a crude painting by an amateur. It's worthless. Will, will no one bid? No one interested? Finally, a penniless friend of the family said, I'll give a dollar. So the auctioneer said, sold for one dollar. And then he announced, ladies and gentlemen, the auction is closed. Again, people grumbled loudly. Wait a minute. What about all these treasures, all these masterpieces, these, these, these priceless artworks? What about them? He said, the art collector in his will specified, whoever gets the portrait of his son gets the entire collection. That, that's exactly what God has done. God has decided, whoever gets my son he gets the whole kingdom. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places is his. It's all his. Hallelujah. Jesus, he is the healer. He is the provider. He is the protector. He is your hope. He, he's not just one compartment of your life. He is your life.